Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Brian Zero and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on the Fence Side on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are talking about the winners and losers of day one, round one of the NFL draft. But before we get to that, Paul, now that we've had a, a night to sleep on it, uh, the Charles Harris pick there at number 22, taking a look at, at what else was available there in the second round or, or in the first round that may still be available here in the second round of the NFL draft. Any passing thoughts? I still like the pick. It's it's going to be very interesting to me, like we talked about last night, to see whether or not they view him as the Koamisi replacement or truly just a part of the defensive end rotation or maybe a little bit of both. Definitely going to probably get an indication here as we go through day two because if Miami is to look at a defensive end today, I think they are looking at him truly as a Koamisi replacement. So it it could get very interesting very quickly, and I think their draft strategy moving forward could be something that that gives us some indications there. But I really think he's going to end up being that Koamisi replacement. Yeah, Paul, and when you say Koamisi replacement, do you mean that you see him being a stand-up linebacker in certain situations? I do. It's. I think he's going to basically be out there primarily doing run support and pass rushing. But like was pointed out, he did coverage drills at the combine and did a lot better than people expected. And when I look back at his footage, I love his first step, like, like we talked about. But there were a lot of scenarios where I saw, based on the way that they aligned the defensive line, where he was essentially scraping on two feet back and forth down the line looking for a hole and going. Or, or looking for the running back. And I really liked what I saw in those scenarios as well. So the fact that he's got that first step and pass rushing ability can put his hand in the dirt is a bonus. But I almost think he's going to be out there doing the things that Miami's expected of Koamisi the last few years and hasn't been able to get because Koamisi can't walk out of the tunnel and stay healthy. Absolutely. And that's a great observation, too. And yeah, it's it, again, like I said in our previous segment, he has the same size as Koamisi, 6'3, 255 pounds. Like you said, at, at the workouts, he did impress out there in space. And then he can put his hand in the ground as he did at Mizzou for three years, where he got 16 sacks in two years. So yeah, I, I, I'm okay with the pick. I'm pleased with it. Again, I'm a Mizzou season ticket holder. I give the pick a B. And forget about what we think for a second. I look at the four most popular draft nicks, and that's Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, Mike Mayock, and Daniel Jeremiah. All four people had him as a top 19 prospect. Mel Kuyper actually had him as the 12th best player in the draft. So there are other people that like him, maybe a little bit more than I do. Uh, you know, I, 
I heard, too, and these are just rumors, that Tannenbaum and Greer turned down, trade down opportunities. If that's the case, that stings a little bit, too, because I would have loved to trade down and have a pool of players while accumulating an extra third and or for a fourth round pick. But you can't get everything you want on draft day. So overall, pleased with the pick. Not elated, but pleased. So let's go on to a few other teams here in the NFL, Paul. Who are two or three teams that really stuck out for you as winners of day one? You can't skip the Browns here. You look at what they were able to do, and you know we knew they were going to be able to do what they wanted to do based around the number of picks that they had, et cetera. So huge, huge day for them. I mean, they, they, they moved around, came back into the first round. Definitely big winners there. Another team, to me, was the San Francisco 49ers. They absolutely robbed the Bears right at the start of the draft. They moved back from number two to number three, still got the same exact guy they would have taken anyway, and basically picked up a bounty of Bears picks, picked up a third rounder this year, a fourth rounder this year, a third rounder next year, and still got their guy there. I mean, holy hell. In addition to that, getting Malik Hooker at 15 was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this is a guy that every mock draft on the planet had him going top seven, if not top five, and they got him at 15. Right. Yeah. I mean, looking at that, yeah, Malik Hooker falling to 15 a little bit because of the shoulder, but if that checks out, you're talking about a real true center fielder and and a great playmaker at at Ohio State. And yeah, I I picked a a handful as well. You touched on the 49ers and the Browns. Those are people I thought really did well. I hate to say it, but I think the Buffalo Bills did a good job. I mean, after uh, three wide receivers went in the first nine picks, that was one of their biggest needs. Their second biggest need was cornerback, and they go from 10 all the way down to 27. They get a first-rounder next year, a third-rounder this year for the swap, still come away with cornerback Tredavious White out of LSU. And when you look at Sidney Jones tearing his Achilles and – uh, Gary and Conley, the problems that, that he's had, he still surprisingly went 24th. Then you you could make the case that Tredavious Wright White was the second-best cornerback, all-inclusive, in this draft. And they, they go from 10 to 27 and get him. I've got to give them credit on there, even though we don't like the Bills that much in our division. Love what the Seahawks did, too, even though they didn't make a pick yesterday. Uh, they trade down from 26 to 31, and then from 31 to 34, in the process, they accumulate a third, a fourth, and a seventh-round pick to move down eight spots. And they still have their pick of the litter, really, other than Ryan Ramchick along the offensive line. So very good job by the Seahawks, too. And looking at that, again, not to nit- nitpick, but if I had my way, that's what the Dolphins would have done. They would have traded down several spots and then here in, in day two and day three have an extra third, fourth, and seventh rounder. But I digress. Paul, uh, I, I have a feeling we're going to agree on who the number one loser of, the, of day one was, but I'll let you go ahead and take number one. For for me, it, it goes to the uh, the opponent in the 49ers trade, the Bears. I mean, Jesus, you're, you're sitting at three, and you want Trubisky so badly that you trade up with the team that's going to take Solomon Thomas anyway give away the farm essentially when you could probably use some of the players that are going to be available, you know, in round three and round four to move up one spot and take the same exact guy you were going to get sitting there at three. For me, that that's just, you know, somebody sitting in the fricking green room with with a coloring book 
and going, oh, yeah, that sounds nice. I want it. So to me, it's, it's the yeah. Bears easily number one. <laughs> I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I was talking to Bob Witt, who is our Bears correspondent here on, on the Finn side, and he was inconsolable yesterday uh, after, after the pick, and I don't blame him. I mean, yeah, John Lynch really won a game of chicken with you, convincing you to give up a three, three, and a four to swap one spot. And I thought it was a selfish move by John Fox because what you're doing here is saying, no, I don't want to wait for Mitch Trubisky, even though he should be getting these reps early. I want to sign Mike Glennon for $15 million this year and get another quarterback, which is going to buy me a few more years in Chicago. I think that was just stupid. It was selfish, just not good overall. And, you know, between Glenn and Trubisky, or Glennon and Trubisky, I'm not convinced they have a great quarterback either, which is even more scary. Uh, Paul, other other teams that I was not that impressed with, not a lot that stuck out. I did not like the Leonard Fournette pick for the Jaguars. Uh, you know, people have been saying he's going to be the next Adrian Peterson. He's going to have a Zeke Elliott-like impact. I don't see it happening. Um, this is a big power back. I mean, hey, he's a heck of a player, but I, I don't see that burst that I saw with Adrian Peterson. I don't see that that speed that I saw with Zeke Elliott, even though Fournette can run well for a big guy. I would have rather stuck at number four for the Jaguars and really get a Jamal Adams to pair with Jalen Ramsey in that secondary. Also the Titans, you know, great move for them last year to accumulate those picks in the Jared Goff trade with the Rams. But I thought they made two reaches. One, Corey Davis, wide receiver from from Western Michigan. You know, even though he caught a lot of passes, set every record in the book there, I saw a lot of drops too out of him. And he didn't play the best against Wisconsin and other big competition. So I wasn't too crazy about that. Then at 18, I'm not the biggest Adoree Jackson fan either. I might be alone in that, but I, I viewed him as more as a second-round talent, kind of an athlete and a playmaker still rounding into the position. So I, I thought the Titans, if they had gone with Jamal Adams and O.J. Howard instead of Corey Davis um, and Adoree Jackson, I think that would have been better value. Paul, what other teams stick out for you as, as ones that kind of blew it on draft day, day one? Well, I'd say making that Tack McKinley pick sure looked a whole lot less interesting. I'm pretty sure that uh, the Falcons' war room was sitting there high-fiving and suddenly just stopped and went slack-jawed as they watched him not only walk out to the stage with a 36-inch photo of his grandmother losing his damn mind, but also when he basically accumulated it, probably a decent NFL fine already when he hasn't even had a chance to get off the stage yet. I love passion like in a player, but you got to keep it reined in in the right moments. And standing out on that stage, cursing into Dion's microphone, probably not the best way to go there. Like you, I didn't like the Raven or the Titan selection there. I think they probably could have looked at ways to move back. There were so many trades going on. I'm sure somebody was looking to come up. But you know what? They did need somebody that can get open deep and and open up their possession receivers. And I didn't love the Deshaun Watson yeah, pick. T- that, yeah, t- Tech McKinley, they, they already don't like uh, – the FCC is already not happy with him, uh, despite you know the touching story of, of him and his grandmother. But yeah, you've got to keep it right. You know, you're a grown man. You can't be cursing on national television in front of millions of people. I mean, give me a break, uh, even though he is an impressive man with an impressive story. Moving on. Paul, uh, who else sticks out for you, uh, good or bad, here in this first day? One that really stood out to me, even though I thought they grabbed him a little bit early, 
was the Bengals taking Ross, the speedy wide receiver. Most NFL teams at the corner position have really one guy that can cover a speedy deep guy. And with Cincinnati already having A.J. Green in the fold, that could be really interesting to watch, having those two out there on the field at the same time, because we're starting to head towards greatest show on turf territory so long as Andy Dalton can just loft a ball down the field. And you're not going to be able to cover both of them. A.J. Green already demands double teams. So Ross could be in for one of the biggest years amongst rookies, basically because he's going to be able to burn whoever's on him at that point. And if you you try to adjust over, A.J. Green's going to destroy whoever's left on him. So that that could be one of the most interesting pairings of the first round. No, I'm with you. I mean, I had no problem with the John Ross pick. I, I thought it was interesting. And I don't see a player who's going to be able to help the Bengals in terms of immediate impact. We're talking about the fastest receiver in the history of the sport at the combine, 4-2-2-40. He plays to that speed, and he's a good football player. Of course, he's a little bit on the small side, but I had no problem with that. In addition, Paul, to A.J. Green and Ross, you've also got Tyler Boyd there, who's a possession receiver who they like a lot should be around for a while. And then you have Tyler Eifert, when healthy, a Pro Bowl tight end. So th- this is a matchup sport. And when you've got those four receiving options, not to mention Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill in the backfield, yeah, Bengals could be an interesting team to watch if, if Andy Dalton can just get the ball in the hands of the right people. So absolutely, uh, we this has been our recap of the winners and losers of the NFL Draft Day 1. Still have a lot of action here. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, and on YouTube as well. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the thin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout.
That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.